For March 21st, 2011, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 142, Law and Order, Special Scrumping Unit. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. It's Sunday, Sunday, podcasting on Sunday. <laughs> Yesterday was Saturday, and tomorrow <laughs> is Monday. <laughs> That's when we record the show on Sunday, and we release it uh, round about midnight Eastern time on Monday, Monday, downloading on Monday. <laughs> gotta get it on my phone uh, Gotta get it on my computer uh. Uh, Yeah, it's cheap wine, cheap wine podcasted um, Anyway, that is Rebecca Black's uh, smash hit Friday um, but, uh, but more about that later. Right now, we have a podcast to do with the panel to overthink all manner of things Including different viral videos uh, and the different Worcesters and the um, and the different uh, the different Birmingham's. Uh, but uh, before that, let us uh, let us ask our panel and our one special guest, another person who's done yeah. the, the exacta. Let's ask them the question: uh, What is your favorite day of the week? First in the alphabet, it is Peter Fenzel. Hey, how's it going, man? Um, it's wet. Uh, Apparently, we are being flooded again in Los Angeles. You know, oh, this is and and the uh, the local news stations, which are nothing if not alarmist, tell us that we should fear this rain because it is radioactive from Japan. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. well, I, I, I will you know just forget it, Matt. It's Chinatown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I run into this issue often when we do these questions, especially when we have large uh, podcasts. And it was more of a pressing question earlier on when we were first starting the podcast, which is that if I go first, uh, I have to be careful not to take the obvious answers, right? So I want to, so like, if someone's like, oh, who's your favorite Ghostbuster? I have to be like, Egon, because I, I can't take Peter Beckman, because Josh McNeil is going to need that. And if Josh McNeil doesn't have Peter Beckman, when Peter Beckman he shows up, he's going to be like, uh... Right, and then I'm gonna be upset, and he's gonna be upset. That's not good for anybody. So, like Josh, my favorite. Josh actually like, reminds Annie. me of Bill Murray in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, actually, actually, the right answer for that would be like Annie Potts is my favorite Ghostbuster. <laughs> I'd have to be like Jonathan Edward is my favorite <laughs> Ghostbuster. Um, but no, so for this one, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> there's a limited number of choices, so I'm gonna go out a limb and I'm gonna say Wednesday is my favorite day of the week. So I have to leave you guys the easy ones. Uh, the main reason that I say that is that Wednesday is my karaoke night, and while I don't go every week, when I do go, it's one of my favorite things. Uh, it's also the only day during the week currently uh, where I almost, where I rarely have an improv-related commitment, and so it actually feels a lot more like a day of rest. Uh, although I guess the podcast is what takes me up on on Sunday, and I don't really have too much on Saturday, but I don't want to spoil things for everybody else by talking about those days before their time. So I'm going to go ahead and say Wednesday. Uh, because I'm not too tired from work yet, and uh, I get to go out and have my like steak salad and my diet coke and like sing some Willie Nelson or something. <laughs> Excellent karaoke day Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Lee, what is your favorite day? Saturday, Saturday. Don't have to work on Saturday. Don't have to check my work email. Yeah, yeah. No work and still get well paid for the Monday through Friday. 
so I can not work on Saturday. <laughs> oh man, I want ten billion hits of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went for the low hanging fruit there. I mean, because uh, uh, let's be Rebecca Black of the many flaws in your song. Perhaps the first is uh, singing about Friday because you had to go to school on Friday, and that makes it ipso facto not as good as Saturday. I uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, done. <laughs> right, we needed to have the rest of the podcast and talk about the song. <laughs> what is left is there to talk about? Um, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I actually, so I have two answers. One, w- one was for the last month. Um, was uh. Cheat day was my favorite day of, <laughs> nice. of the uh, the week because I spent I spent five weeks on the slow carb diet uh, out of the uh, the Tim Ferriss health book. I don't know if it's a health book so much as it is a you know radically reshape your body healthy or no uh, book. <laughs> and um, you know, hey, that thing was um, that thing was. Uh, surprisingly effective and not all that hard to stick with. Uh, but I, I had made a commitment to myself to do it for four weeks and I added one week at the end cause it seemed to be going well, but now I am off and I've undone all the good weight loss, uh, by b- binging on all kinds of, you know, high carbohydrate foods, uh, in the last, uh, in the last 36 hours. So, uh, so long diet, uh, never shall we meet again. Um, no, uh, here's my favorite day of the week. I, I've been watching the Chicago Code, uh, Sean Ryan's new cop show uh, set in Chicago, and it airs on Mondays. And uh, so you're I'm, actually watching Del Rio in the Chicago Code. <laughs> <laughs> After all those jokes you made about it, <laughs> it's Delroy, Delroy. <laughs> Yesterday was Lindo. Um, yes, I'm watching. Yeah, it's and it's not a bad. Uh, it's not a bad television show. I have to say, um, this is a, this is a, this is like a sequel to the Da Vinci Code, right? <laughs> yes, it's the Chicago Code. Oh, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, in the in the like the Chicago Commodity Futures Exchange or something like that. It's uh, you know, <laughs> there's a if you track the prices, it's like uh, Darren Aronofsky's Pie. His first movie, if you like track the prices, <laughs> you can see a pattern that uh, that emerges. No, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the Chicago Code. And maybe it says something about the sorry state of my life that uh, it really is a television show that gives me the most joy of anything that happens to me all week. Nice. Well, OK, so it's been we're three for three with special guests um, now. And so the one I want to introduce to you is another person who has done the whole uh, who has done the whole uh, podcast who has run the podcast gamut and uh, who wrote in an, an email uh, saying achievement unlocked <laughs> 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 overthinking it podcast. Uh, it is uh, Timothy Swan. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Yes, I really did do that. I, I kind of feel a bit ridiculous about it, if only because I don't actually have an Xbox. I've never unlocked a real achievement, only an imaginary achievement. <laughs> but if you believe in yourself and you keep working hard and buy a copy of Gears of War. <laughs> Wait, who are we to say that Xbox Live and Microsoft is the sole governing body and arbiter, sole arbiter of achievements, right? That's I mean, true. Can't, what, is there a way- we can give, we, this is a postmodern world we live in. Can't you give yourself an achievement? I think that's what I did. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's uh yeah, well, hey, uh I think listening to um the whole the whole catalog of the podcast is an achievement. As I've said, they're not all gems. <laughs> um so I, I think you undersell yourselves. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Some of the early ones are better than you pretend. That's what I say. <laughs> certain, certain of the early ones. Certainly not, certainly not uh, episode number one where Mapalinki and I uh, dissect in, in gory detail the, um, uh, what the nominees for uh, best documentary – no, best um, uh, short subject, uh, live action short subject in the Oscars like – 2007 or 2008 or something like that. Uh, not that one, but some of the others, perhaps. Um, hey, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. How, uh, what, uh, what are you doing on this show? How did you come to, to know about overthinking it? Uh, where are you Skyping in from? And what do you do? And what is, you know, what's up? Why are you here? <laughs> That's a lot of questions. Do you want to write them down? I in can any, in like any order you like. Okay, well, I guess I first came to overthinking it because one of the many geeky sites, especially one of the Star Wars sites, linked the article by uh, Belinky of irony in the Clone Wars, and it compared the Clone Wars to the Iliad in that all the characters are already doomed to their fates uh, and being probably mostly the biggest fan of star wars i guess that is the fandom that i'm most attached to that interested me but i love the article and i read some more and i um i think as you had maddie myers saying a completist and so it's like well i suppose i should read this whole site and listen to all the podcasts (laughs) and i'm not sure that it's a very healthy impulse Especially, I mean, at least with you guys, it was a couple of years of material, which was detailed and in-depth, so it kept me going for some time. But it's when you come across something like a webcomic that's been going for 14 years, and you think, I probably should read this from the very start. It's not a healthy impulse at all. It's a kind of binge mentality. But doesn't it... You see, I I have that same mentality. I have that same bug where I feel sort of... I, I feel a kind of anxiety if I haven't... I, I feel like I'm not understanding something that they're like in jokes or something that I'm not getting uh, if I haven't experienced the whole uh, range of something. But it, it makes me not want to watch things, to any things. You know what I mean? Because I'm afraid that like if I bite off a little bit of the cookie, uh, I have no choice until the whole uh, cookie is shoved down my um, until it's shoved down my gaping maw to just stand there with my mouth open. This is maybe not a good metaphor. The me- the metaphor is maybe. <laughs> Has maybe jumped the rails a little bit, uh, but right, it, it, doesn't it kind of lead to a strange kind of anxiety in taking anything on at all? If you know that uh, for things you like, you're going to have to sort of swallow the whole the whole series. I think it should. I'm not sure that it does. I think I have <laughs> a whole set of things where I will get to them one day, but that one day could be a long way away. I think it's the same reason that we kind of we use our hard disk recorders and you guys have like Netflix and all these magical technologies that we just don't have yet. Over here in provincial Britain. You have Spotify, right? Which has yet to make an appearance. Yes, well that uh, that that's that's true. Um, and in Spotify, I have like 200 tracks that I mean to listen to and haven't sure. gotten around to yet. Um, and, you know, 
I get I have, you know, TV series and box sets and all the rest piled up because like I will do this, but I haven't done yet. And that pile is increasing at a much faster rate at the rate that I'm than the rate that I'm reducing it. Sure. So it's like my it's like my RSS it's like my RSS reader. It's the same, you know. It's the same thing. There are more articles that I mean to get to <laughs> one day, or my my Instapaper account. Hey, do you have the do you have the DVDs through the mail uh, uh, part of Netflix? Because it seems like there should be yes, nothing. Yeah, yeah, we, we we have that uh, just about. We're just catching up with that. They're just getting the instant streaming and the boxes, or doing it through your internet TV, but. Where I live, the broadband connection is so slow that they just mm. won't let you have it uh, because it's all copper wires and uh, telephone exchanges uh, it seems that probably like, haven't um, been changed since the start of the 20th century. Wow. It seems so like so wait, so when you order, Oh, sorry, you, Pete. Is it like, uh, oh, sorry. So when you order a movie, is it like, what city, please? And you're like, uh, uh, <laughs> Seattle, people in, and then like connecting. And then, no, and then, and then you hang up, and then the movie calls you back, and the phone will ring when they when they pick up your rotary television, and then you can uh, you can watch your show. You know, it's funny though because the um, it seems like uh, the UK is exporting a lot of culture to the states these days with uh, remakes of television shows, and especially with actors, right? Like uh, it, it's hard. You'd be hard pressed to find a kind of new, exciting leading man who is actual in um, in the states who is actually American, right? Uh, they're all from uh, the UK, or they're from Australia, or they're from you know uh, somewhere else in the Anglophone world. Uh, other than the states, and then we're remaking what we remade skins this year. We remade episodes this year. Uh, you know, we're going to. Well, that was more a joint production, I think. Skin. Well, we didn't skins have episodes is. before, but skins is yeah a remake. There's being human being remade. I yes, think. that's right. Uh, which I I haven't seen the U.S. version yet. I'm just finishing the U.K. series, and if the U.S. version is as good, then. That would be great. Somehow <laughs> I <dance together. laughs> <laughs> if, the U- if, I, I, uh, if the U.S. version is as good, we're actually this year we're remaking Downton Abbey. It's called, you know, fifty-seven, fifty-seven First Street. No, I don't know. It would be it would be ridiculous. But hey, uh, I want to plug Downton Abbey. It's a totally fun little show from uh, Julian Fellows. Um, but I can't hear the name Julian Fellows, who wrote Downton Abbey and wrote Robert Altman's movie uh, Gosford Park, uh, which are both sort of upstairs, downstairs, you know, what, pre-World War One kind of uh, 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 stuff. That, what is that? George, George V, right? George V. Um, uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, Edward VII maybe as well. But Sure. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, it depends what the 1910, I, well, whatever, doesn't matter, but it's right, it's round about there, it's that pre World War One time. Um, but I, I can't think Julian Fellows without thinking about Brian Fellows, who was the Tracy Morgan <laughs> character on SNL who did uh, who did a show with animals and it was like uh, you know Brian Fellows is not a zoologist or an animal trainer he is just a generally educated American with a fourth grade education uh, who's like I'm Brian Fellows <laughs> hello I'm Brian Fellows and I keep thinking of that with Julian Fellows which is inappropriate because uh, one is a uh, a character with a fourth grade education who says stupid things about animals and the other writes. Um, witty, erudite, uh, biting, bitingly satirical, um, very smart and funny uh, uh, scripts. Anyway, 
uh, good fun. So, can, you know, can I, like- can I jump on some, an, an observation here? Because you mentioned Matt earlier that um, we're sort of uh, importing both British TV shows as well as British talent in, in American pop culture or pop culture that we're producing here. Right. Yeah. Um, and what I realized this may blow your mind. So get ready. Um, who are the three uh, largest, uh, most famous superhero properties in movies? Spider-Man, Superman, uh, Batman. Mm-hmm. All three of them are being played by uh, or will be played by British actors. Right. Henry Cavill from Channel Islands. Tim, can you tell me if that is actually part of the British? Uh, the British uh, yes. The Queen owns it. We hide all our secret tax free funds there. They have like a combined wealth that's more than like the whole of the rest of Britain. But <laughs> we sort of own them. They're crown protectorates, right? Is that what they're called? Or no? Uh, I don't know, the kind of I, or? Uh, yeah, although they're also, they call themselves bailiwicks um, oh. for Jersey and Guernsey. But yeah, basically. Okay. So they count. Okay, so Andrew Garfield, yeah. right? British. And Christian Bale. Is he British? Not a He's Welsh. British, British. He's Welsh. Welsh. But yeah. that is Britain. We did take them over about a millennium ago. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we, we get to claim Bale. So he is Welsh, and, and, right? I wasn't just making that up. Yeah. And in this grand trend, we now have an actual honest to God Brighton on the Overthinking It podcast. <laughs> <laughs> is there nothing Bronco. left for real red blooded Americans you know, <laughs> who, pronounce, who pronounce their hard R's pr- pr- properly? Yeah, it's uh, what is our entertainment coming to? Yeah, is the this this spells the death of the rhotic R in the accent. It will be overthinking it before long. <laughs> even um, even Stringer Belt is British. Like that's it's way oh, it's way long since com- been completed. Yeah, yeah, you can't even you know it, it, the Brits are playing the inner city gangsters in America. It's yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> or as they say, so, gangsters. Right. So. Um, <laughs> but what's weird is that it doesn't work when it comes back the other day. I keep tuning into Law and Order UK that has Jamie Bamber, and I keep getting confused because I watched him on Battlestar Galactica, and his American accent is a lot more convincing than his London accent. Which <laughs> Even is weird because I'm pretty sure that's his real voice. It sounds so fake. I don't know where he learned it. <laughs> Tim, I have one question for you, and then I'm going to stop otherifying you. Um, you know, this is what I don't like, you know, being other. I am the terrifying other. <laughs> and, and a superhero. That is the first step towards the reclamation of our empire. We've got to take over the comic book nerds, and then we go back to India. First That's basically what happens. Nice. So, I'm going to get into a lot of trouble for this, aren't I? That's nah, cool. cool. I really ought we to only have, have a like, bit more post-colonial guilt, I think. Don't worry. Only, like, I don't know, a thousand people download each episode. <laughs> Okay, so um, do you have an American accent, and can we hear it? Because I believe all of us on the Overthinking It podcast panel can try to fake their way through British accent to some degree of efficacy or not. But, Tim, do you have an American accent you can regale us with? Uh, I don't know how spontaneously I can do it. I always used to put on an American accent when I was imitating someone else. Just to kind of so American accent for me was like the oral equivalent of quotation marks. But <laughs> so I don't think I can do it. I'll have to I'll have to see if it just kinda of happens. I but I, I don't really have the capacity of accents on the spot. It would end up just going somewhere through kind of the Caribbean, Island, India, <laughs> and North of England. I think we have to hear this. I think this used to happen. <laughs> Do 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 you want to cue it up now, Tim, or do you want to do you want to spend a little time getting it ready? Because I know we're putting you on the spot. Well, 
Why don't I just like say where I'm Skyping in from? Because I don't think I mentioned that. And then you guys can talk about something and I'll try and come back with an American accent. <laughs> where, are you so that... Sky- where are you Skyping in from? <laughs> okay, I-, I should have looked up the latitude and longitude. Right. When I, when I called in, <laughs> oh. I was like, actually look it up, but I've forgotten it because it's numbers. But uh, I- I'm calling in from Worcester in the UK, which is what I'm going to call the last bastion of Englishness, uh, <laughs> which is a quote that is causing a lot of hassle in our news at the moment um since the producer of one of our countryside crime programs said he wouldn't cast non-white actors because his show was the last bastion of englishness Uh, so i'm trying to reclaim that and say that my town has green bits and a cathedral and a minor crime and drinking problem and so that is the last bastion of englishness (laughs) a little hooligan a little football uh hooliganism (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, I live I live pretty close to Worcester in America, which is the last stop on the commuter rail to Worcester, which is pretty much what it is. Uh, a pretty dark place where it's also kind of racist. If you want to see the insane clown posse in Massachusetts, that is probably. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I say that from some amount of experience. <laughs> Commu- commuter trains, how do they work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so the American way of saying Worcester is Worcester. Or Worcester, Worcester, uh, whatever. I'm not doing a very good job of it. Anyway. Um, the American way, yeah. Uh, right, very good. Uh, well, Tim, would you like to talk to us in, a, in, a, um, in an American accent? Well, I, I was going to try and start with the kind of one imitation that I would keep doing when Flash Forward was on, which was uh, of uh, another English actor's American accent of uh, James Callis saying... I have a huge hippocampus, FYI, but that doesn't come out as American. It just comes out as kind of the autistic character he was playing, so that doesn't work at all. <laughs> you can do an autistic American accent, but you can't do an off-the-spectrum American accent. Can you do it uh, Dennis Dustin Hoffman from Rain Man? Is that <laughs> No, is it? I, I, should... <laughs> oh. I, I can't see that going well. No, no. <laughs> We're going, to, no, we're, going to, um, uh, we're going to push on. I think, I think we ought to. This is fantastic entertainment. Fantastic <laughs> entertainment, though, this is. I have a feeling we should actually talk about pop culture. And... We have an important thing to talk about today. We I have know, an important thing to talk about. It's true. Um, though I, I kind of want to talk about Law & Order UK a little bit. Uh, can, <laughs> can we preempt our thing? Say, say it right, Matt. It's Law & Order. Or, uh, gosh, Law and say order. it, Tim. I love how, you, how that sounded when you say it. Uh, Law and Order UK. Ah, ah yes. Right. Uh, so good. That's the um, that's the IPA symbol that looks like kind of a backwards horseshoe uh, on its side. But um, they um, what they adapted Law and Order Law and Order for uh, the UK. That's the New York pronunciation. What do people think? What do, what do people think of it over there? Has it been a um, uh, an enormous hit uh, as it was in the states when it was in its heyday, or is it? Kind of, uh, I, I think what? it's done all right, but I don't think it's been colossal. I don't think it's really, uh, as you say, it's kind of a cultural phenomenon in in the USA. You've got so many spin-offs and connected series, and I don't think it's going to happen that way. So it's kind of a passable crime show, but we already had plenty of passable crime shows already, so I don't think it's going to take over in the same way. Um, but uh, it does seem to have the distinction of having two uh, science fiction alumni 
of uh, <laughs> Jamie Bamba and Freema Agiman, whose name I can't really pronounce, uh, who was in Doctor Who as Martha Jones. Uh, and she plays one of the lawyers in the... I've always found it confusing that you've got the law section and the order section, but really it's kind of the other way around, that the, the cops enforce order and then the lawyers do some law. That, that annoys me. I think it should be called order and law. Um, and, uh, <laughs> maybe so, that's just me being a bit obsessive compulsive about it. Let, let me ask this. It seems to me like the show might lose something from the title being so nonspecific. Like, why, doesn't, why don't they do like Law and Order like Leeds or like Law and Order like Sheffield? Cause you got to give it that gritty individual city, right? Or like you have to give it some sort of unit, right? That's the other thing they do, right? You go like yeah, Law yeah. and Order Special British Unit. Solve <laughs> like, British crime. Like we have a British crime. Well, someone yeah, on the Isle of Man has been insufficiently respectful to Dutch <laughs> Yeah, well, we have scrumping, uh, where where there's the like stealing, or... <laughs> stealing of apples. That is all it is. You take apples from someone else's land. So you could have yes, <laughs> yes, the special scrumping unit. Um, I mean, we, we we do have knife crime and gun crime. It's just you know not not as. Uh, not as flashy and as cool and as special uh, as they call it on Lord Order. Special. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, surely every unit is in a way specialized. You kind of hope. In a way, <laughs> in a way, everybody <laughs> is special. Okay, I've every fallen into the trap. <laughs> in a way, in a way, <laughs> in a way. Um, that's very interesting. And then uh, before we do our thing, my last question for you, Tim, is do you have any perspectives on overthinking it as a, as a non-U.S. listener and reader? Because we have we have uh, audience all over the Anglophone world and beyond. Um, and we uh, – I mean I suppose the world now is the Anglophone world, but never mind. Um, you know, we, ha- we have – and we try not to be too provincial uh, with our kind of American – um, perspective, but I, inevitably, I'm sure we we sort of fall into it, fall into a kind of myopia because of uh, just where we are and what our point of view on things uh, is. Is there any um, instance of that that stands out to you, or do you have any perspective on on that that you'd like to bring to us? Well, I think it's amazing how much we do basically relate to the same culture. I think we've reached that point where we do have the global culture and the global anglophone culture. Uh, because we're watching loads of American shows, we're listening to American music, and as you say, we're exporting a lot of shows. So when there's a discussion of Doctor Who, that's what everyone in Britain is talking about as well. And I um, don't know how popular such a show is and the shows that are shown on BBC America in the USA, but certainly they have some cultural influence. So I think we're talking about the same world, really. So I haven't ever felt too much that overthinking is talking about something that I don't get culturally uh, yet. But maybe I am someone who I, I try and watch a lot of shows when they're on in the USA and then catch up with them more legally when they're shown in the UK um, to like <laughs> some kind of ethical balance uh, sure. because there's still a lot of waiting to do uh, and... Uh, there still seems to be this gap between stuff being put on in America and stuff shown in the UK. And something that's trying to break that down now is uh, the delights of Rupert Murdoch's Sky Atlantic channel, which is bringing us The Wire, Treme, uh, Boardwalk Empire, all of these great classic shows uh, 
but only if you give, you know, £30 a month to Rupert Murdoch. And some of us can't afford that, either on our consciences or in our wallets. <laughs> 30, uh, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, well, you pay an annual license fee for the BBC, right? Well, yeah, but Sky, uh, Sky yeah. Satellite. Yeah, right. But Sky it's, Satellite it's, Station. Yeah, a subscription satellite service right. that is comes with lots of different packages, uh, and basically gets people because it's the only way you can really watch uh, sport. Uh, we, we kind of need our football and our rugby and all sure. the rest of it. So, uh, yeah. um, the sky is they, how I watched the Oscars last year because I didn't have a TV; it was working. So I, I got I watched a restream of Sky basically, and it was like it, we talked about it. Like it was real, trying real hard to be like cutting edge entertainment, but it had a way to go. Like the network definitely had a way to go to be what it wanted to be. Well, wait, I mean, you were talking about you were you watched a restream of Sky, so someone was taking the Sky feed and rebroadcasting it illegally, or you watched the online. Yes. No, it was illegal. It was illegal. I'm not proud of what oh. I did that day. But you know what? I was young and I needed the money. <laughs> and I didn't watch the Oscars. It was unexpected. I thought I was going to be able to pick it up with my broadcast antennas, my rabbit ears on my TV, but it wasn't working. So, uh, so instead I had, to, I had to do something because I needed to bring the entertainment to the people. Uh, and that's what needs to happen. Speaking of bringing entertainment to the people, all right. <laughs> all right. He's been itching for this since we started. I could go on talking about this for hours, but let's move on. Yep. Podcast. Podcast, Podcast gonna get on the Skype. Okay, speaking of bringing entertainment to the people, gotta entertain uh, the listeners. <laughs> yes, <laughs> can't um, just navel gaze. <laughs> Interrupting <laughs> Mark. <laughs> really <Okay>. forced transition. <laughs> Get it together, get it together, get it together. Hey, guys, I have this problem sometimes where I get I some friends show up to pick me up to drive me somewhere, and some of them are sitting in the front seat, and some of them are sitting in the back seat, and it's a really difficult decision for me to figure out whether I am going to sit in the front seat or in the back seat of the car. And I was hoping that there was some artist out there who spoke to my experience, my voice, because I'm the voiceless, you know, I'm the buidoi. I am the. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was a deep cut, Pete. Yeah, that was a deep cut. That was, that was a little Miss Saigon action. For wow. You. Okay. Yeah, let, yeah. Me, let me complete this transition because this this segue because otherwise it's being left as a dangling modifier and we know how we hate those. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of bringing entertainment to the people, right? The internet has been set ablaze by young Rebecca Black, a 13 year old singer, amateur singer from California, I believe. Uh, that's in America for the uh, you know pan anglophile uh, audience um anyway so she um you know about uh, a month ago her parents basically paid for her to be able to have this you know experience of like putting together a pop song basically it was along with a uh you know pretty stylized music video the song is banal to, to say the least i think that's being generous actually the video is oddly uh, you know of high production quality given the, the sort of the terrible quality of the song um, it was produced. It was released in February. Picked up by various blogs and other snark and snarky people on the internet, and you know, really, and sort of they blogged. They picked up the video, blogged about it, mocking the song and the singer, and it has just exploded all over the internet. Like it was on the iTunes top singles chart. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the mainstream news started covering it as this like you know new sensation. Like she's the new Justin Bieber, except that you know people are making fun of her. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So now we are. Wait, you um, think people aren't making fun of Justin Bieber? They're not. <laughs> there's not just, there's not just a, 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 an unmitigated adulation. 
for him. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked, shocked. Okay, so anyway, so, so to, um, <clears throat> to sort of set this up for the overthinking it, right, there's a lot of things to talk about here. Um, the, the sort of the, the, the reaction, the sort of the, the vitriol that has been directed towards her, the hatred and vitriol that's being directed to her, um, which on, as a quick aside, uh, in, a, uh, in a television interview that I saw that some stupid morning show was doing of her, they were quoting YouTube comments to her. Said, like, how do you respond to uh, that? Like, you should die. This is terrible. You should die. Which, okay, so that's lazy journalism and totally intellectually dishonest. That's an aside there, but just in general, right? Just sort of the collective snark attitude towards it, right? How do we, how do we process that? Uh, how do we sort of consider this as a, as a piece of culture, right? It, it seems to be a, an amazing parody of pop culture, but totally unintentional of, of pop music, modern pop music. It's like uh, some sort of weird alternate universe version of Justin Bieber's baby. Um, it's like something that, you know, SNL would have put together, except that, you know, presumably this, this was done without any sort of the irony that, uh, that a parody would ensue. So a lot of things to think about, I think. I'm just going to, you know, put it out there and see how we can unravel this. Well, I think the, the first thing is that if you're ever going to – I mean, this is just a quick throwaway. But if you're going to ever use YouTube comments as the basis for anything, like that's just – so just as a test, I just like opened up YouTube and I typed in the first name that came to mind, which for me was Zinedine Zidane for whatever reason, the French soccer player, right? And I didn't click on uh, his headbutt video. I clicked on this tribute video to him that said Zidane the scientist. And it's just like smarmy tribute videos in Zidane. Zidane. And sure enough, third comment, what a shit player. Can't even speak English. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's, of course, of Algerian French extraction, right? He's a Bedouin. <laughs> what a shit player. Can't even speak English. So YouTube is – you can find a negative comment on anything on YouTube. And if you can't, let us know and I'll leave one. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, t- oh, Pete, this reminds me. There's a specific question I had for you. You have often been heard on this podcast and on the website saying that if people aren't yelling at you at the Internet, you're not doing it right. Exactly. You're, so, Rebecca yeah. Black, she is yeah. is doing it right. Oh, totally. Because I think that um, it is too. And, and, I, and I used to not really. I used to defend people a little bit more. But then our own site had this experience, and and I learned how it actually works. Um, pretty much any woman on the internet is going to be hurled, have obscenities hurled at her by dudes. Uh, that pretty much is what happens because uh, there's a lot of hatred out there. But um, and that's fine. You know, whatever. It's like it's, it's like the global construction site. Yeah, exactly. Except that <laughs> less sexual most of the time. Um, except that there's like girls walking by who are actually naked, and those distract people's attention a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who are who are haters, and haters are going to hate. I mean, that is a, a law of the universe. Uh, but but it is I'm, the telos of the hater to hate. Uh, exactly, exactly. It is in the nature of these things. Um, but yeah, but if nobody hated her, if you're upset, if you're upset that you're being hated, then the medium is not going to be one that's going to be easy for you to transmit your message through or accrue whatever kind of advantage you could get from it. I mean, why would she put the video on the site in the first place? Why would she put the video online in the first place but to get famous? And of course, what if you aspire to be famous, you know, you aspire to be somebody like what Lindsay Lohan or you know Paris Hilton or even like Angelina Jolie, even freaking Angelina Jolie who like adopts poor children and does massive amounts of charity work and has been nominated for like the Oscars, right? And has played women, and she still gets lambasted like all the time for being crazy, right? Everybody's always hating on Angelina Jolie for all sorts of nonsense because like you know even that whole time where she took. Jennifer Innocent's boyfriend or whatever. And, like, it's hard to imagine somebody who... Uh, that whore! Is, uh, exactly. 
Um, so it yeah, is so important I, I, to remember that. that. Sorry, I spoke over you, but oh, no, no, uh, it's, it's important to. She is a bisexual vampire, and you know those people just. I you shouldn't. You shouldn't respect their acting. It's important <laughs> to focus on the important parts of who they are. Um, I, I don't remember that being a tabloid story. The game. I think as I think as Ali G said to James Lipton, you know, uh, it's it's no surprise that bitches is better actors than G's because uh, uh, bitches be always acting to try and get you to do stuff. <laughs> It's awful. And, awful and James enough. and in that in that episode of the Ali G show, James Lipton uh, kind of stammered and replied, "Um, um, well, um, you know, I know that is the vernacular, but I have to object uh, to that language because it's misogynistic." And as the chairman of the actors' school of the uh, you know actor studio drama school, I, I have to object. As though if he weren't uh, the dean of the school, he wouldn't object. He'd you know he'd, yeah. <laughs> he'd just roll with it. That interview ends right. Sorry. You know how that interview ends, though, right? Uh, no, it slips my mind. How? Oh, uh, after after the cameras are off, I believe James Lipton takes out a naked picture of his wife and invited Ali G to come over. Oh, yeah, and <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen said that, that, like, he was like, uh, yeah, he, apparently his wife did some modeling or did something like that, and, like, uh, oh, I don't think invited her to come over, but I think he oh. did. I'm, that may be apocryphal or that may be an exaggeration, I, but I, I saw an, uh, an interview with Sasha Baron Cohen where he said, yeah, no, uh, uh, Dean Lipton was, was very eager that... Um, you know that Ali G like him, and so showed him like nude modeling pictures of his wife or something. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, okay. So I want to talk about this. Um, what is it called? Arc Arc Talent Corporation or something, which is the production the producers of this video. Right. They are apparently an outfit where, for some number of thousands of dollars, you can sort of record your own video. They'll produce a video for you. So it's a fee-for-service uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing where they write... Like self-publishing the, a book, yeah. Yeah, like self-published novels. I mean, it's I, actually, honest to God, self-published novels are, are losing their stigma because we all have things like uh, services like Lulu and Blurb and the uh, the Amazon one, which I, forget, I think is called Create Space, where you can self-publish things. And it's, you know, a lot of people are choosing to... A lot of reputable people are choosing to go that route rather than deal with the... Um, uh, you know, rather than deal with the fuster cluck of uh, of the publishing industry, um, which makes the music industry look well run by comparison. So, you know, um, as many bands are just kind of putting the music out on the internet, uh, a lot of people are doing doing books. But but so now there are these sort of fee for service places uh, where you can do your own you can do your own video, you know? And I remember, like, I, I seem to remember, like, a recording booth at a theme park where for a dollar you could, like, sing along to a karaoke track and get a CD pressed right there of, uh, or no, it was an audio cassette right there of you singing, like, Memory from Cats or something. Um, and this is just a very advanced version of that because they write, uh, they write the song for you and they produce the music video around you. And so this one seems to be... Um, uh, their biggest biggest success to date. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I mean, so that the origin of this thing is not what shall we say? The origin of this thing is not a pure artistic impulse, right? I, as though, 
uh, as though well, I she didn't write the song. They wrote the song, right? Like it was written by the production company. Yeah, they, they, I, I believe they were like hired by her parents to write the song. I think that's how this company right, right. works, or something, right? Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, they just got it in the can, and it sounds like it's written by a thirteen-year-old girl because the syntax is so terrible, and like that—that's like kind I, of the most remarkably bad thing about the song is how bad the lyrics are. I think the lyrics were written by someone who doesn't speak English as a first language. Are you serious? Or I, you I, just- I, I think so. Yeah, and and I hate to I hate to this is going to come out sounding terrible, but um, I, I so one of the new segments that I saw there was um a guy who looked like a minority, basically, um you know of the type that uh, you know. Learned English perhaps through he terrible well. pop songs. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh man. So well, this, this, at, at this point here, I think this is one of the things that people are reacting against, and whether they realize this or not, or that's I, I don't, I don't think people are realizing this. But you know, Matt, what you're talking about, and sort of you know this process of production of uh, of, of pop culture in a way that imitates that which the professionals do, right? The gap between that imitation and you know, and just lay people actually basically being able to do that is erased entirely now, right? So one of the problems we have uh, that when we see this is that this this, um, this singer is singing a bad song, and yet uh, all the tra- it has all the trappings of something that should be, for lack of a better word, more legitimate. Right. The analogy that I keep coming back to on this is, let's say that you take a 13 year old boy who has like this uh, incredibly juvenile asinine script for uh, a vampire movie or let's say like a, an, a- an alien sci fi movie. And you gave that kid um, like a you know million dollar budget and like top of the line CGI effects. And he produces this utter piece of garbage. And yet looks professionally published, professionally done, so that if it were anything just like, you know, like we were running around kids with cameras and models, we did that and posted on YouTube, nobody would notice, nobody would care. But it comes out, you know, with spit and polish, then there's the cause of this conflict in people's minds, and then they react very negatively to it. That's Wait, I'm my sorry, how did, how did we start talking about Attack of the Clones? <laughs> uh, Zap. I, I, I was about to say the same thing for Battle of Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> It is only going to appeal to, you know, 13-year-olds and younger boys in terms of its level of storytelling and excessive use of cliché that you might have seen before. <laughs> uh, does it, are there planes that come out of other planes in it? Because that's always key. Is it vehicles? That's, I remember when I was a little kid, that was like the best. Air, little paper airplanes that would come out of other paper airplanes. Like they have in, tra- in uh, Terminator Salvation with the motorcycles that come out of other robots. No, nothing. It yeah, that tr- happens. It is true. It's yeah. awesome when uh, when your robot can deploy <laughs> other robots. Well, here let, let me posit this to you, Mark. Let me posit this to you because I don't. I think there's one element of it that you is missing, and I think it's the most important element of the professional music production industry right now, which is that part of why we're all hearing about this is that the promotion wheels went in motion very rapidly around a song, right? And they got it. I think she's on Good Morning America playing it acoustic or whatever, and we're all hearing about it, and, like, it's being, you know, you're hearing about it on shows, and there's remixes that are being done, everything. A lot of, a lot, a lot of this is organic, but not all of it, right? There is still, like, PR that's going on, and people behind the scenes that are promoting this girl. Like, that infrastructure is still in place. And I think that when you look... I mean, I don't. I don't think of this person as the as the watershed moment for this kind of music making. I I think of SoldierBoyTellEm.com as the watershed moment for this kind of music making, right? Because that was like the first. I and he's like, I made this myself, and this is a hit record, and it's about jism. 
uh, which is unfortunate because he's a child. But um, uh, but it was it was like that's the one thing it was missing was the buy-in from the professional production distribution people, and once it had that, that's when it kind of was able to succeed commercially. Because without that, she's not going to get paid, right? And and she can do all this stuff. She doesn't get paid. It doesn't matter. But now she's going to get paid, and that because they're the ones who can secure the money. And this is like the difference between Doctor and Birdman as your like ideal rap producer. Like Doctor Dre gets you a gets you a platinum record because it's awesome. Birdman gets you a platinum record because people buy it. Right, um, anyway. like a like a boss. <laughs> like a boss, <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna get paid like a boss. Wait, hold on, wait a minute, let's rewind here. I'm not sure. I'm totally following your point, Pete. Um, you're talking about the wheels of promotion yeah. here, right? And you're saying that you know she gets on the morning shows and things like that. And you're gonna say that's. Uh, I'm, I'm not drawing because this is where I, my reaction, the immediate reaction to that was she wouldn't have gotten on. The morning shows were not for the firestorm that the internet, that bloggers um, and you know various you know producers of memes on the internet had generated. It's not like for was this go the awkward, awkward, say awkward island, the Ark family, Ark Productions, whatever. It's not like they like you know sent a press release out to ABC and NBC, um, and then they're like, ooh, we got to check out this thing. Here. Um, are you, you know, sure? They may, yeah, I mean, they they because it's on ABC. They, <laughs> you know, they like, may have done that, but you know what? These, I mean, these shows have. Now, I, I think it says uh, something about the power of kind of viral media, quote-unquote viral media, though I, I think we can't really use that as a catch-all. We have to be specific about what we mean by that. Um, to actually get stories on, uh, you know, onto, um, uh, onto the morning shows and onto kind of mainstream media outlets. Uh, you know what I mean? Because she, she – sure, I mean she has a publicist or she at least has a, a production company doing PR. But she doesn't have a publicist the way that like – I don't know the way that uh, uh, a band, you know, uh, uh, REM has a not. Oh God, right, why did right, they? Yeah. Why did they come to mind? The way U two has a publicist, you know what I mean? Um, where mm. the rollout of uh, of a U two album is this like is you know done with military precision by a whole bunch of people acting in tandem to uh, you know create this onslaught or. Um, you know, or the the Radiohead record recently, right? Like she she has a publicist in the sense that the production company probably said, "Oh shit, this is taking off." Uh, <coughs> you know, let's scramble to uh, to kind of get some uh, you know I don't know get some PR out there. But um, but you know these shows, these morning shows, have people monitoring social media and having mm-hmm. people monitoring the big. Um, uh, the big kind of user generated content websites and the big kind of sharing websites. And, you know, I, this one, I guess sort of has started its life on the daily what, um, and, uh, you know, and so stuff can come, stuff can come directly, directly from there. That is to say the viral promotion can be its own kind of, uh, can be mm-hmm. its own kind of public relations because, uh, people in the mainstream media are paying attention to that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. And it, but it, there's also the question of like, is that social media infrastructure being supported by other actors who are keeping the content flowing so that the news stations can pay attention to it? Uh, right? Because the news stations go there because they need the news, they need the content for their shows. There isn't always going to be a Rebecca Rebecca Black out there to make the news, so somebody has to continually pump the content through the veins of this beast. And, and I do think that there is a, still an infrastructure that does that. Um, although I guess a lot of this is conjecture because I don't know who they are personally. Um, but uh, They being like guess, the Daily What? The folks behind the Daily What? Yeah, or just like even the people who are like, you know, on various music blogs, pump, you know, retweeting things and pushing things around. I don't think it's all necessarily just folks. 
right? You know, I don't think it's all just like, oh, you know, I'm just hanging out. I think that a lot of it is more systematic than you think in terms of, of people kind of supporting the infrastructure of these things. Um, but I don't know. Maybe in this case it was more it was more uh, straightforward and honest. But I tend to be very suspicious of such things. Maybe I'm just <laughs> too cynical. I don't know. I, I think you're right about it, but I don't know if it will be in this case. And mm. maybe as the person who least knows about Rebecca Black, um, then maybe I shouldn't assume that. But she doesn't seem like in the same way that Justin Bieber. I think it must have started with some people being very aware of what Twitter and Facebook and the social media can do at the younger age. And once they kind of fanned that flame, then they have something that's now completely self-sustaining. Right. And they don't need to do it professionally and be the PR people doing it so much. But I think you're right that some of these things have to start somewhere. But surely mm -hmm. a lot of the publicity is negative. You know, it's been a, a trending topic on Twitter, not because people have said, you must hear this song, it's great, a 13-year-old doing this. <laughs> it's been trending on Twitter along with Bellatrix Lestrange, why didn't you kill another member of the Black family? <laughs> uh, which is a joke Zitting. I wish I could claim credit for. But uh, <laughs> a number of people yeah. who have claimed credit for it, obviously, on Twitter, which is not the best place for attribution. Maybe I'm just too much of an academic. I want people to cite their references. Um, I, mean, I feel like the, the strongest... Format. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, the strongest I, evidence for there being something weird about Justin Bieber on Twitter is that if you read his Wikipedia article, the mentions to Twitter are fairly minimal and are official are couched in official language, which says to me that the plan to get him up there wasn't this phenomenon that just showed up, is that there's somebody who doesn't want you to know why Justin Bieber was on Twitter so much and why Twitter had to change his policies and keep him off the servers because he was clogging their network too much. right? Because like, otherwise, they just be like, oh, here's the big story, which is that he blew up on Twitter. Why is that not on Wikipedia? Because somebody doesn't want you to know the story about it. Right? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, again, this is me, like my conspiracy theory. This is why I love talking about pop culture, because if I say that about like actual important political things, I sound really crazy. Whereas here I can say it, and I feel like because we're the, the Shakespearean fool, we could sort of speak the truth a little bit more. But um, anyway, what were you saying, Matt? Here's the, here's the reason why I think it, it is actually possible to have a uh, quote-unquote legitimate um, sort of viral sensation on the internet. Uh, it's another woman, a slightly older woman, who... Um, <laughs> who posted a hit single about Asians in the library. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, speaking oh, of, I'm speaking of my classmate, or I should say, you know, co-student at the university, though I guess she's left. Uh, and she was an undergrad and I'm a graduate student here. But um, uh, my fellow UCLA student, Alexandra Wallace, uh, who, who posted a racist... Uh, rant about um, Asians in the library complaining about sort of Asian families and also complaining about phone etiquette in the library and pinning this on uh, pinning this on on Asians, all the Asians that UCLA lets in. Um, and, and just a, a quick uh, Asian interjection here. Um, that's what I do. I'm Asian. Do you know that, listeners? I'm Asian. Um, the, the, probably the most offensive this thing about, about that. This hot Asian interjection is brought to you by Mark Lee. Okay, I didn't go there. You went there, Matt. You went there, Matt. Okay. <laughs> the worst thing about the, the, the rant, if you haven't seen it, by the way, is uh, I mean, the, the, the content itself is just kind of inane, except when she pulls out the ching chang tong chong fong thing, which um, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen this one. Which yeah. I don't know if maybe non-Asian Americans uh, or, or, or take the same offense uh, to this that, that, that Asian Americans do. Um, but that is sort of like the ultimate, like sort of, you know, slap in the face in terms of uh, say, saying of, of, of white mainstream Americans saying that 
you are the other. You are alien to me. This is how I am mocking you. Yeah. So, well, that's pretty cool that your your colleague was a viral video sensation. I also have a colleague who's a viral video <laughs> don't sensation. Know, don't right know now. her. Not my colleague. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is I am a, I am a right thinking I am a right thinking progressive, and I pause only to say that. Bong! Do, 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 do. Okay. This hot Asian injection has been brought to you by Mark Lee. Good lord. They're going to. Oh, I am, man. I am offended. Anyway, if you saw on Kotaku, 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 that Gawker thing, and around the web, it's gotten, I think, now about 80,000 hits, and it's still going up. There's a very funny video that has been remixed with the music from Rebecca Black's Friday and by a variety of other people whom we had never met of a good friend of mine <laughs> dancing in a Star Trek uniform at PAX East to Microsoft uh, Connect and uh, Dance Central. And he dances quite vigorously. Uh, and it's, it's been surging, you know, and it's, so he's been very proud. And so I went out with him uh, Friday, it was a Saturday night, um, no, Friday night, uh, and he was uh, hitting on the ladies, being like, do you know that I'm a viral video star? <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, he's one of my directees in one of my improv groups. And um, so it's, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I kind of don't want to say that on, on any of the websites. It's like, oh, by the way, you can come see this guy perform in a comedy show. Like, he's actually not embarrassed to be dancing like that in a Star Trek uniform because he's like a, a, a comic performer and has been doing like you know he was doing like comedy sports in chicago and wisconsin or whatever for years um he's but, in other uh, words, any... he's done far worse than that in the name of entertainment oh yeah and, and mostly <laughs> and it's like you're lucky you're getting it for free you know that kind of thing um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. At any rate, it is fun. It is always fun when things blow up. Yeah, usually, when... usually you have to pay ten bucks for a ticket. Five if you put your name on our email list. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, oh, so man. can I, can I jump, jump in here and try to tie all these different things together? By all means. So, so we have Rebecca Black. We have um, what was her name again? Alexandra or something? Asians in the library. Was it Wallace? Alexandra Wallace, Asians in the library, UCLA, blonde chick, and we have a Star Trek dancer. Right. Mm-hmm. What d- separates Alexandra Wallace and Rebecca Black from Star Trek Dancer is a restraining this- order because they're underage women. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perhaps. They- <laughs> okay. What separates the two what, what things? Here- the two things that <laughs> what we see at display here is everybody's becoming very aware of the divide between. Uh, being aware, self-aware, and not being self-aware on the internet, right? Rebecca Black and uh, Alexandra Wallace put these things out there without, you know, without any of the sort of the forethought of like, oh, what will people think about this? You know, how am I portraying myself? Star Trek dancing guy, like you mentioned, Pete, you know, he is a comedic actor. He is. Well, uh, he didn't even know he was being filmed at the time. Uh, if you knew you were being filmed, it wouldn't have changed him. Changes that's very true. Right. <laughs> very In fact, true. it might have gotten like, it might have gotten wackier even. Yeah, probably actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what we see, see at play here, and that's again one of the things that people are reacting to here is this sort of shocking lack of self awareness or a sort of uh, internet or, or savvy, right? Pop culture savvy. It's like how could they not have known? That this Rebecca Black song would have been would have been mocked mercilessly. How could this stupid blonde chick not have known that her she was putting this incredibly racist thing out there on the internet for everybody to mock? Mm-hmm. So we see this. We sort of we stare in disbelief at what is happening here, and the way that people react to this is with well, with anger, with 
terrible YouTube comments that get read by ABC News anchors. Inexplicable. <laughs> yeah, it is going to be a girl's, To the girl's mother. I mean, in the package that they had on uh, on ABC, what is what is the ABC show? Good Morning America? Um, or no, that's the CBS show. Um, whatever. Uh, shows for stupid people to watch in the morning. Yeah, Sorry. whatever the whatever the stupid people to watch in the morning show is. Um, in the, you know, they had, they had like a, a package that was, uh, you know, an, an interview with the girl and some some video of her singing the song live to prove that she can actually sing, and it's not just a, a phenomenon of autotune. Um, it's, uh, no, autotune is used in this, in this show, uh, in this song, by the way, because it's kind of a requirement of pop music these days. Uh, oh, yeah, it was definitely an artistic inflection, like artistic choice. Rather than... Rather than, like, just to... to, to totally smother over the fact that she couldn't carry a tune. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't... It wasn't she, she can carry a tune. It wasn't pitch tr- correction so much, you know what I mean, so much as it was kind of the, the T-painization of, um, uh, of all popular <laughs> music. But, um... Which is funny, because she didn't change sing different notes, but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> I totally had a point that I was going to make, and I, I've forgotten all about what it is. Oh, well, discourse, discourse, gonna talk about stuff. Oh, in the, um, in the, uh, yeah, drink. <laughs> drink when rather loses his okay. train of thought, or mumbles. Also, when, also when we say discourse. About when we say discourse. Uh, when Markley re- uh, mentions Asianness. Um, when, <laughs> when someone does a, uh, uh, when, I don't know, someone makes reference to our Anglophone listeners, um, the, uh, they read the, th- the comments, the anchor read the comments to, um, to the girl's mother. It's like, oh, this God. is, this is your daughter. And these people oh, are calling awful. for her death on YouTube. How does that make you feel as a mother? You know, and it's, ter- I mean, it's uh, the, the implication being like, how can you do this? Uh, uh, you know, how can you do this to your child? As though it were the mother's fault or responsibility to, you know, keep people from being assholes on the internet. I mean, you can't be people, yeah. keep people from being assholes on the internet. It is the nature, you know, it is the, it is the tell us of the internet to, um, you know, have people be assholes on it. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know. It's not, it's not the mom's fault. I, I do, um, I do think that, uh, there's probably I want, I want to like address this issue of how we look at these have these things right like uh, the knee jerk reaction and it's the one that you see in a lot of the blog posts and a lot of the the mainstream media writing about this stuff um, the uh, the knee jerk reaction is that well we watch it like we watch an, like we rubberneck in an auto accident or like we would watch a train wreck in slow motion like you, it's it's gruesome but you can't look away it's gruesome but it's strangely compelling um, at the same time and I I think that's not uh, I think there's there's some there's some truth to that but that's not quite it right we we watch um uh. We we're not interested in mocking the people who are victims of an auto accident. We're glad that we're glad that we are not them, right? But it doesn't, and and that gives us a certain amount of pleasure, I guess. That that you know they're them and you're you, and you know they're lying in a you know red puddle on the asphalt, and you're cruising along at at eighty five miles an hour. Uh, but um, but we we watch these things on the internet really to. What? Uh, in order to to mock them, you know what I mean? Like we uh, it, to kind of mock the afflicted, as it were. And um, and I, I think that's I think that's different, right? It's different than uh, than rubbernecking an auto accident. I don't know. Someone someone tell me I'm wrong. 
Well, I, I think there is a way to make it all right, and that's for the YouTube uh, version of the mother being read the comments will then go on a more hateful comments, and that could be read to the grandmother on another <laughs> and, you know, so on and so forth, and, you yep. know, a YouTube video within a YouTube video within a YouTube video, and all the rest of it. Gong! Um, gong! <laughs> Here um, comes the kick! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, if, if, if Friday was the kick, then you'd that would be bad. I suppose you'd know it was, you know. Oh, oh somebody, yeah, somebody get on that to re- re- recut uh, the scenes from Inception and replace uh, the um, the with uh, with Friday. Oh, that would be there. There is viral video gold right there. That's so many viral videos make about Inception. I said it's going to be uh, Marion Cotillard's next film. It's the story of Rebecca Black. Yes, <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> she'll be Oscar. She'll be Oscar nominated for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm talking about this song and I haven't actually listened to it and I've been deliberately <laughs> avoiding it. I've been deliberately avoiding it because I knew it would uh, come up. And uh, the thing is that uh, I uh, have do this with a lot of popular songs. You hear about them on Twitter and you see them on all the kind of, I would call them the memetic sites, the whole kind of cheeseburger network, but especially uh, Comixed, which is the whole kind of, four panels made of uh, photo macro-y things um, that um, I only know some of these songs through that. And the uh, one that I probably knew best was Willow Smith with my hair. That song became something in my head. It sounded so much better in this imaginary version that when I finally heard it, I was really disappointed because the hive mind of the internet had created this, this magic dreadlock paint thing that sounded good and presentation mm-hmm. of the Rebecca Black song that is better than the real one. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. That's definitely interesting. That would sort of that, that would bespeak a certain uh, fault in the uh, in certain ontological proofs of Descartes, right, or what have you, or the thing that is greater than that which can be conceived must be like, just <laughs> as being true. Because like Are you, you can conceive to say of a better song. What? That 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 this song is actually a deity, provided you don't <laughs> listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> something along those lines. Something along those lines. It, as long as you never listen to it, it's proof of the existence of God. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as soon as you listen to it, uh, it, you know, game over. It goes back down into Hades. It's Orpheus has looked back, and yeah, it's like the Gloria Monday. Yeah. I feel similarly about the song Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, the uh, the Elton John song, because we had a really cool arrangement of it for Marching Band that we played all the time. And I never really listened to that song very much. And then I actually listened to it. And I was like, wow, like this isn't getting me amped up for a hockey game at all. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not psyched. This is like some random, like kind of relatively fade dude talking about a bunch of people slapping and punching each other. And it's not really doing it for me. Someone should, but, someone should mash up uh, Friday and Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, get and then up. Sunday, Sunday, bloody Sunday as well. Yeah, I'm sure you could get one for the whole week. There's got to be a song, but I mean, people don't seem to love Tuesday enough. I don't know. Tuesday's gone with the wind, man. That's uh, they actually reference it in the beginning of the Rebecca. Tuesday's gone with the wind is a Leonard Skinner song, um, and uh, and, and uh, it's in the Rebecca Black song at the beginning when they're showing the days of the week go by in her calendar. They like list little epithets for each of the days, and one of them is Tuesday's gone with the wind, that is a which good, just shows that there aren't a lot of things 
Tuesday. That but. is a good. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. That is a good um, uh, project for OverthinkingIt.com, right? To do the 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 ultimate week mashup. Mm. Starting yeah, you- with Stormy Monday. Mm-hmm. Right. Tuesday's gone okay. with the wind. Yep. Wednesday, and we got anything for Wednesday? Uh, my humps, my humps, my humps, my humps. <laughs> <laughs> my humps, my humps. <laughs> my lovely lady. <laughs> okay, Thursday. <laughs> hey, Pete. Yeah? What, what are you going to do with all that junk? All that junk inside your trunk? I'm going to get, get, get you drunk. <laughs> Get you. I don't want to do this. I'm going to show you on the tall where you're making me touch this. No, never mind. Oh. <laughs> Thursday. We need, a, doing is, we need a song for Thursday. A song for Thursday? Yeah. Um, Thursday. Are there songs about Thor? God of Thunder by Kiss. There we go. <laughs> uh, God of Thunder. That's a pretty good one. There's also a song by Asuki Sexu called Thursday. Uh, that goes, uh, where does it say Thursday? Actually, is this one of those songs? It's one of those BS songs where the actual name of the song never appears in the lyrics. Yeah, no, that's, uh, Thursday's Child is a, uh, is what? Is a, like a David Bowie song? Or is it a, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Thursday by Country Joe and the Fish. Um, Harry Nilsson has a song called Thursday. Here's why I did not go to work today. That sounds interesting. Mm. What day do you think everybody's working for the weekend takes place on? Like, do we know? Is it stated explicitly? Like, because everybody is working for the week. I might have to put that in a post. I might have to ask that question. Because it's like, (laughs) is everybody working for the weekend something you sing when you're amped up on Friday and you're about to get out of work? Or is it like something you sing like on Tuesday when you need that like fresh injection of energy and optimism to get through the rest of your week? Um and it looks like there are very few lines in the song that don't start with everybody. So they don't have a lot of information about what's happening. <laughs> and everyone, 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 everybody, everybody, everybody. And then there's that stuff about peace of my heart that doesn't make any sense. I might have to save the hermeneutical analysis in this one for another time. But uh, we'll see. Well, I'd like to object to working towards the weekend having everybody. Because what about the unemployed people? What about the retired people? I think that song is deliberately excluding people. Well, you know, back in the day, this was you know back when the employer rate was higher. Back when men were men. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, what about the and the British and the British were all white. Mm. They well, were, yeah, they were a little that, white people. That, that, the Britons. I, Here's the I thing. Guess I think every, I mean, seriously, like answer the question. Fourteen hundred for the weekend is not about not being at work. Everybody working for the weekend is about going out on the town. So even people who don't have jobs might be excited for the weekend because they can go out to the bars where everybody else is going to be, and they can meet the people who normally have jobs, which I guess maybe are they want to make out with, uh, <laughs> perhaps because <laughs> they got the money. But it's about romance. <laughs> Everybody's working for the weekend isn't about leisure. It's not like uh, taking care of business at Bachman Turner Overdrive, where it's like all about like you know I uh, I don't have to work because I get to play my guitar. Uh, it's it's about like uh, you know you want to be in the show. Come on, baby, let's go. Like let's let's get out there. Um, anyway. By the way, did you hear that Wyclef Jean was shot in the hand in Haiti? What? In the hand? Yes. Well, that's good news. I heard he was shot. I didn't know he was shot in the hand. He was shot in the hand in Port-au-Prince. Um, and is apparently fine now and was, was you know, released. Uh, but, um, but he'll be gone till November. Oh, 
Oh, boo. Oh, boo. <laughs> oh. Oh, boo. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, well, I think that's uh, that's a podcast. Um, on so, that note. Yeah. Yeah. I'm over thinking it mutes Michael Jean being shot. Oh, and I made me all sad. Maxine, put your red shoes on. We're going to the disco. <laughs> and bring my, my matching red sling because I was yeah, shot exactly. in the hand <laughs> in Haiti. Um, the... Uh, uh, oh, I, I didn't even mention that our sponsor this week is the overview on overthinkingit.com, our alternative commentary on Starship Troopers, uh, where we just unfold the many secrets of the uh, hermeneutical exegesis of that film, <laughs> uh, available for three ninety nine on overthinkingit.com. And the movie, uh, in case this makes a difference to you, I, th- I think it should because it means you have it. The movie is available on Netflix, not the uh, not the old broke down Netflix that they have in the UK. Uh, uh, but the new happened in Netflix uh, that we have in North America, uh, where you stream all your movies for one low price of seven ninety nine or something like that. So um, you can uh, you have the movie if you have Netflix, which many of our, our listeners do, and you can um, and you can download our audio commentary, fire up the movie on your set top box or internet enabled television, uh, and on your computer or MP three player, play the uh, the alternative commentary where we discuss the movie. We give you instructions. In in the track about how to sync it up. So uh, that's available at overthinkingit.com slash store. We hope you will check that out. Um, give us some, uh, it's about time to record the next one. So give us some feedback about what you would like the next overview to be. Uh, we'd rather do a movie that uh, you choose rather than one that we just um, kind of pull out of thin air. Uh, as long as it's Terminator. I'm, I'm, still <laughs> really, I'm still really tempted just to like open a bottle of wine by myself and just do solo love actually. Just be like, this is Pete Fenzel overviewing on Love. Actually, We're gonna start this movie, and then just like get progressively more uh, jaded as the movie goes on, <laughs> and crying by the end of it. But uh, no, no, I should do no such thing. That would be it. Would be way too personal and and, and ridiculous. Plus, the other overthinkers who want to be part of it. So, um, <laughs> well, we'd want to watch you I, do it. That's share. for sure. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so we gotta, um... you know that. that- that Hugh Grant character is now our prime minister, but slimier and more evil. <laughs> but he is literally called David. He is a posh boy called David who doesn't really relate well to people. Mm. And that's what we have now. It's not as fun as Love Actually made it look. There are less lobsters. Yeah, it's like, it's like when we got George W. Bush to be our president after Bill Pullman, and it wasn't nearly as exciting when he was in the fight suit walking around fighting a bunch of nonsense. But yeah. Does that apply to Barack Obama and uh, Morgan Freeman? Uh, there was deep impact. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other famous black presidents. I think it applies more to the one in the fifth element, right? Who has to fight the giant alien. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to speculate because too many of them have bad things happen to them, and I don't want to cast aspersions. <laughs> but yeah, oh, it's so sad. We got we got to end this podcast before we're too much. Yeah, of a if you want to cast that. aspersions, where should you go? Yeah, if you want to cast aspersions, <laughs> um, let's let's just leave the most hateful comments you can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> call for our deaths. Call for uh, uh, what's your name, Bellat- Bellatrix Lestrange, to. Um, <laughs> To assassinate us with her wand, you know, call for uh, call for the um, 
Uh, oh god I'm sorry it was just about to get very dark and I'm not going to go there on this show because we try to keep everything light and friendly on overthinking it uh, unlike 4chan where you can uh, go to 4chan and talk shit about us <laughs> no don't piss off the people at 4chan we're, we're afraid of them uh, we respect their awesome might and power because they can bring our uh, site to its knees with a uh, little and snap I would love to see it Everything you read about them in the media now, we were saying like eight months to a year ago. Yep. Everything. Way before any of this stuff happened with WikiLeaks or anything, you listened to the 4chanic Discourse podcast, and we were on <laughs> that stuff. Absolutely. All right, we were telling – definitely. It's, uh, it's news you can't use until nine months later or so. Yeah, because you know how things happen in the news and they don't make any sense? We talk about them before they're famous, but when they still don't make any sense. <laughs> It's important. Back before you think reality could get that weird, we're talking about it. If you want to uh, comment on the show and you're a chump, email us at podcastedoverthinkingit.com or call 203-285-6401. Uh, if you have unlocked the achievement, we're, we, uh, you know, we'll have some people. We'll have some more people on the podcast. This, uh, this guest thing may have run its course for a little while, but we have had some uh, fantastic, fantastic guests. Maddie Myers, Gab. Uh, who I've always wanted to talk to, and um, and Tim Swan. Thank you very much, Tim, for coming on. Oh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, and, and now it's uh, what? It's it's uh, it's eight here, so it's three in the morning in the UK, right? <laughs> Yeah. To two forty eight AM on Monday. <laughs> that is wow. that is dedication. Do you have uh, do you have to go to work today? No, no, I, I don't have a job. This is this is the sort of thing I could do all the time. Uh, <laughs> admittedly, I, I I guess like you guys, I'd love to be paid for it, but <laughs> yeah. um, this this is the closest thing I, I have to uh, paid employment, and so that gives you some clue of how th- unemployed I am. Well, if you want to pay us for what we do, you can go on uh, overthinkingit.com slash store and buy the overview. We're, we're not really asking at the moment for your donations. We want to give you something in exchange for giving us a couple bucks. So you can get, you can get a two hours of audio of, uh, of us talking, which you can get hundreds of hours of it for free just by downloading the podcast. Um, do us a favor. Go on iTunes and keep rating uh, the podcast. Keep giving it uh, star ratings because um, we've fallen off the charts recently. I think, and I think it's because I haven't emphasized enough uh, going onto iTunes and giving us a star rating. If you haven't done it yet, uh, you really can help us and get more people uh, to know this show. It, it helps bring us new subscribers too when we're featured uh, on the iTunes. Only six clicks from the home screen of <laughs> iTunes. They're very, very specific clicks. Um, and uh, if you really want to talk with with uh, your internet friends and us about the show, you can do so in the show notes on the podcast uh, at www.overthinkingit.com, the site where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably, it probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. <laughs> can you hear it say deserve, Tim? Deserve.